Thank you for tuning into the weekly sermon from Journey of Hope, a United Methodist community. We are a welcoming community that fosters belonging and acceptance. Through ministries, we enable individuals to transform their lives as they learn to follow Jesus Christ. We follow the guidance of the Spirit in sharing our faith through missional adventures, building relationships, and offering our witness to our community and world. We serve the Elgin, Illinois area and are located at the corner of Randall Road and Highland. To learn more about us, you can check us out at johumc.org or any of our social media platforms by searching Journey of Hope. And now, here is this week's message. This morning's Old Testament lesson is taken from Psalm 103, verses 17 through 22. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you his mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. This morning's epistle lesson is from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ appointed it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, if you would please rise for this morning's gospel reading, which is from Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 3. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others 
and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among the wolves. May God bless the reading, hearing, and understanding of his word. So we continue on our journey. Pastor Jared originally planned this series to be three Sundays. And when he asked if I was interested in serving for him today, I said, well, I'd like to know what you're preaching leading up to that Sunday and maybe what you're doing following that Sunday so that I can maybe preach on a subject that fits and doesn't seem like it's out of left field. And when he told me about preaching on the journey, I thought about my life and I thought about where I've come on my walk with Christ. So I told him, I think I'm going to continue one more Sunday and I'm going to talk about how we serve on the journey and what we're called to do by Christ in our service. Now, over the last three Sundays, Pastor Jared taught us about three crucial items that we need for our journey as Christians. They were witness, strength, and hope. Wisdom for our journey is about more than knowing the truth. It's about knowing what to do with it. Letting the truth inform and transform us. Then strength is used to keep us going. Along the way, we know that there will be trials and difficulties. And in our human weakness, we need the full armor of God to keep us going on this path. Last week, Pastor Jared taught us that we live in the hope of the glory of God. We can trust in God's hope because he has given us justification, which makes us both complete and growing in Christ on our journey. We witness our hope in God by showing the light of Christ in all life circumstances, even when our experiences on this journey may not be the best, when we are in the mountain and when we are down in the valley. We can show his light to others by how we experience it through these trials, through these successes. Equipped with wisdom, strength, and hope, we are called to make disciples for the transformation of the world. And here at Journey of Hope, our mission is to live out our faith as we encourage others to become his disciples. We live into our mission by being a welcoming community that fosters belonging and acceptance. And through ministries, we enable individuals to transform their lives as they learn to follow Christ. We also follow the guidance of the Spirit in sharing our faith through missional adventures, building relationships, and offering our witness to our community and to the world. Will you pray with me? 
Father, we continue on our journey. We're thankful and grateful that you've called us on this journey. And as you teach us this morning, let the words that come from my mouth be not mine, but yours. Let my spirit connect and give the message that you have called me to give. We ask all of this in the name of your son. Amen. And so we're people on a journey, a journey with Christ. And we're people who equip, enable, and encourage one another as well as others. We are transformed or being transformed and also with guidance from the Spirit, we share our faith for the purpose of glorifying God. No wonder we can't go on this journey individually without wisdom, strength, and hope of God, as well as the inheritance of the Holy Spirit who lives in us, which we receive through our justification from Christ. Phew! Now that was a mouthful. If you've never felt the need to look at and make use of the space of notes in your bulletin or the compass guide that's in your bulletin or online, I can tell you these last two sentences were enough to make me pull it out and see what was on it for this week. It happens to cover all of the scriptures, the three different passages that were read this morning. So I encourage you to include that in your time with God this week. Let me talk about all of this in another way. We're in September, and it's the beginning of our new season in the church. The church tends to follow the school calendar because as children return to school, there's a renewed sense of adventure and new beginnings. Maybe we have special memories of things that happened in our lives as children, or with our own children as we were raising them and each new school year began. Now, if you were like me in elementary school, you remember new teachers, new classmates, and you remember the homemade donuts at the little shop that my mom and our neighbor's mom took us every year the day that we went to shop for school supplies. I can still smell the donuts sometimes. <laughs> and I know exactly where that shop is. And until a few years ago, it stood in the same place. It wasn't always a donut shop. But the little pink building on Broadway brought back tons of memories for me when I visited Anderson, Indiana, where I grew up. It's gone now. It's changed. And... I still like to drive past that location. It brought back so many thoughts about my journeys each year as the new school year started. This trip was the official beginning of new adventures. Among the fresh starts that a new school year brings is the reformation of athletic teams. With the passage of the previous school year, the upperclassmen may have graduated and moved on, while the underclassmen have moved up 
The various teams are planning, recruiting, strategizing, and hoping that those they gain for their particular team will bring a successful program and maybe even a winning record. Athletic teams offer an illustration of much of what the church is about. We too are a team of players coming together with a common purpose so that we will grow together in our love for Jesus Christ, in our love for each other, and give ourselves to the missions of introducing people to Christ, his message, and the light that is shined through us. We do all of this in hopes of winning people to Jesus Christ and to follow our mission. Now, if you're not familiar with sports, baseball, or anyone famous from that sport, you may not know the name Joe Torre. But his story can shed some light on part of what Paul has explained about the way we are called to be the church. Now, Joe Torre, and forgive me if I said his name wrong, is one of the greatest and most successful baseball managers in Major League Baseball. He coached the New York Yankees for 12 years, from 1995 to 2007. During his time as skipper of the pinstripe team, his Yankees played in six World Series, winning four of them, 1996, 98, 99, and 2000. Now, what made Joe a great manager was more than how he substituted his players verbally, building them up as he asked them to steal bases and hit home runs. Joe supported his players in public and in private. He did this by encouraging them to practice and to learn their jobs. The practice he had of encouraging his players created an atmosphere of trust and confidence between the players, the managers, the front office, the fans, and the media. Torre was notorious for building up his players, encouraging, enabling, and equipping them to get in the game. So be it with us, his church. Apart from winning and losing baseball games, God's promise of growth and building up the body in love parallels what most athletic coaches want for their teams. They want their teams well-bonded, strong in their team's spirit, in unity with one another. They want each player to be supportive and encouraging of all the other players, working together as one team. They want each player committed to following the specific assignments they've been given. And what is the promise these coaches will make to their players? Well, if the players commit to the team vision and goals, give themselves heart and soul to them, follow the instructions of the coaches, then they will promise that the team will grow and that the program will develop and be built up and the team 
may possibly win more games. While players and coaches probably don't use the word love as they're talking about building their team up, they will be committed to doing what is best for the team and what is best for each player. Teams that practice these goals will grow and they will be built from the inside out. And win or lose, they will put everything on the line for each other and their common objective. If we think of the church as God's team and apply Paul's message to us in Ephesians, we'll see similarities to the Torre method of coaching. Each person has a place to exercise their gift they've received from Christ. And not everyone has the same gift. We each have our own positions to play. The goal of each person is to exercise that gift in the perfecting of saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The church doesn't function in its finest capacity if the gifts that are exercised are done so out of place. When when they are out of place, the church slows its pace and stops working toward God's goal for them. Trying to play a position that you've not been trained in is similar to someone speaking at a pulpit trying to make an analogy about baseball when they know nothing about the game. (laughs) Trust me, I had questions for my husband about this and finally decided there was no way I could make the analogy I was looking to make, so I thought, I'll just use the fact that I can't do it. (laughs) See, we have to be informed, and we have to learn our jobs. And my job is not to know baseball, (laughs) and thank goodness for that. (laughs) But I have been called to share God's word with his people, and I can do so without trying to be something I'm not. A church is called to influence individuals and commit, uh, communities to begin to sustain and to grow a personal and a corporate relationship with Christ. And we do this by developing a worshiping, supportive, and evangelistic fellowship with one another and join together in ministry. An effective ministry depends on a few very important factors, like being faithful, being available, and being teachable. But the glue that holds those three factors together is our commitment. In this fourth chapter of Ephesians, Paul outlines a strategy for how a local church family is able to grow and build itself up. It calls for an intentional focus on Jesus Christ, the head of the body. We need to be continually focused on recommitting ourselves to Christ as our highest purpose and our most valuable priority. 
Our challenge here is to take control of the calendars of our life so that our days and our weeks reflect that Jesus Christ truly is our Lord and the head of church, of his church. This strategy also calls for an intentional effort to maintain the unity of the team by expressing support and encouragement for others at every turn and in every situation. Each of us is a brother and sister called to serve our Lord side by side in worship, mission, evangelism. We may want to choose those who are members of our congregation or that we work with on a team so we can guarantee the unity. But to play that game is to question the wisdom of our head because it is Christ who puts together the team. Paul likely wrote this letter while he was imprisoned in Rome, and he was imprisoned for too effectively preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Roman leadership thought that they could stop the spread of Christianity if they simply silenced its leaders. Sometimes that strategy works. Sometimes players can be benched. But instead, Paul writes to the church to live up to the purpose to which they had been called by Christ. Paul reminds us that because of the mercy of God, Christ has obtained for us an inheritance. And as a seal of that promise, we've been given the Holy Spirit to continue the work of transformation in our lives. So using Paul's instruction, the local church can grow and build itself up in love if two conditions are met. The first is that Christ is the source of all growth, of the gifts we employ, and the path we journey on. And the second is that each part of the body must do its work. Each of us has a responsibility to the local congregation in which God placed us. If we don't have a catcher or a third baseman, we aren't likely to be too successful. And if we try to put the pitcher in place of someone on second base, the person who's supposed to watch that base, we might be in for a really bad game especially if the second baseman has to be the pitcher. The strategy for the church is a similar strategy to team sports. Each player has a role in the outcome of each and every game. And win or lose, teams will be asked to put it on the line for each other and their common purpose and mission, just like an athletic team. Evidence of being built up will be seen in the faith that is held in common by all of our team, all of our members. There needs to be a common experience in our relationship with Christ and a common faith so that we can bring about a rising level of maturity to the body of believers that shows itself by displaying the character of Christ to each other and to all the world around them. So here we are, 
assembled as a team of players, coaches and staff. Imagine it, it's the first week of practice and many players arrive knowing just what position they want to play, while others have no clue. In the minds of some, there are the certain glory positions, but all of the players need to be willing to take the assignment of Jesus Christ. Regardless of what your initial interest is or your lack of interest is, when you're called to serve in a particular position, experience will tell you that all positions are necessary and there is no glory spot and no success without teamwork. Coaches in athletics have confirmed that players come to practice wanting to get in the game. Many coaches make the effort to get all the players in at some point, especially if the player has worked extra hard in practice, paid attention, learned the plays, knew how to listen, and do what he's told. You know, it's curious to me that in the body of Christ, more people aren't persisting, requesting to get in the game. I wonder why there aren't more who are saying to the coaching staff, would you train me to be a better player? Or I'd like to play in some position on the team. I'll play wherever you put me. I just want to make our church more successful. So what happens when a congregation is being equipped by the elders and pastors for work or service? Not only is the body growing and building itself up in love, but Paul tells us the body will be maturing, as in taking on more and more of the character of Christ. Discernment will be common among all the members, and we will be speaking the truth to each other and the world in love. Paul says, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, Christ. Each part of the body has a role to play in the growth process, and each of us is responsible to see that we are employed in the functioning of the church body. No one should be satisfied to simply wait to be asked. It's nice to be asked. It's important to be asked to serve. But God has placed each of us in this body to help make it grow and to build it up. You see, that's God's assignment. It's not mine. It's not Pastor Jared's. It's not Carol Burris's assignment. It's God's assignment. He did it for the purpose of the proper functioning of the body, and he did it so the body would mature in faith, in discipleship, and in sharing our witness in love with each other and the world as we continue journeying on, attaining the fullness of Christ. We can do that in many ways, together and individually. We can be involved in prayer, reading the word, devotionals, spiritual gift assessments to discern our call, mission work, Bible studies, small groups, Sunday school, lay servant ministries, the walk to Emmaus, spiritual retreats, accountability groups, district and conference training, reading Christian books. 
Today I am praying that God's Spirit will tap you on the shoulder, speak to your heart, and nudge you to ask to be equipped for service in Christ's body. Reaching out and saying, hey, put me in the game so that we can grow and build up the body at Journey of Hope in love. Now, as we go out into the mission field, may you all be filled by the Spirit today, and may we spend the week in our time with God, discerning where he is calling us on this journey. Amen.